borrow Jason's podium for a second. Um, good morning. Like he said, my name is Franklin Carr. Uh, I'm the student minister here at FBC Elgin. All of our members, you know what that's about. Uh, for everyone who's visiting, I'm so glad y'all are here. Uh, we're going to be in John uh, 20, chapter 20, verses 1 through 10 this morning. So I'm reading from the CSB version. Um, if it's on the screen, awesome. Feel free to follow along your own copies. So here we go. Verse 1. So on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. She saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb, and she went running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, a.k.a. John, and said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where we put him. At that, Peter and the other disciple went out, heading to the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple, John, was faster than Peter. He outran him and got to the tomb first. Um, stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then following him, Simon Peter came also. He entered the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there. The wrapping had been put, that had been put on his head was not lying with the linen cloths, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. The other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, then also went in, saw, and believed. They did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. This is the word of God. Amen. <clears throat> amen. Amen. May God bless the readers, the hearers, and the doers of his word. Thanks, Frank. Um, well, guys, uh, listen, I, I want to I say this real quick. We've got a few people in overflow um, in our fellowship hall. Um, we are a family-friendly church, so we, we always encourage families to worship together. So parents, you don't need to feel bad if your kid's going, eh, rah, like we're totally used to it. Um, but if for some reason you felt like, oh, this is making me uncomfortable, our fellowship hall's way back there. Uh, we've got chairs set up. There's a live stream. Kids can then run around and, and do things and be a little louder if that's what you want. There is coffee there too, so just, just throwing that out there. Uh, but guys, uh, John chapter 20, these first 10 verses, what I want to focus on, but we're actually going to kind of walk a little further in the context. But there's three things that I want to share with you this morning um, in regards to the empty tomb. And so here's the first. It, it's kind of a big deal. I want you to understand this morning that the empty tomb is necessary for right belief. Uh, the empty tomb is necessary for right belief. And, and so uh, here's, here's what, I, I don't want you to miss John's confession here. Now, John has a little bit of a humble brag uh, there in verse 4 and verse 8 and 9. He's like, yeah, I beat Peter to the tomb. Uh, but don't miss, like, his confession. Here it is in verse 2. It says, uh, so she, this is when Mary, went running to Simon uh, Peter and to the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved. So that's, that's who he's talking about. He's talking about himself, okay? So John, humble brag, Jesus loved him the most. Uh, yeah, that's how he always identifies himself. So in this passage, he calls himself the other other disciple. He uses that term in verse 2, he uses it in verse 4, and then he uses it again here in verse 8 and 9, which are really going to be the key to our understanding what this resurrection is all about and what it means for us this morning. Because here's what it says, I'll put it on the screen for you. Uh, it, it says, um, the other disciple who had, yep, follow me there, uh, I'm in uh, John 28 and 9, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, then also went in and saw and believed. For they did not yet understand from the scripture that he must rise from the dead. So the other disciple, that's John, he went in, John went in, John saw, and John believed. And it says, for they, that means him, for he did not yet understand that it, it, it says that he must rise from the dead. Now, now follow me here. Guys, this is John. 
This is, this, is, this is one of the inner three. James, John, Peter, right? He's, he, he knows Jesus. He believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Yet he needed what is happening here in order to, what does the text say? I underlined it. It's on the screen. Can we go on the screen there? Yeah, there we go. In order to believe. He needed this moment, the empty tomb, in order to believe. So what does that mean? Well, guys, it means that John believed, but, but he needed the resurrection in order to have right belief. In order to have full belief. In fact, there's some words here. That word understand in the Greek, it means to know or to see. He needed to see the empty tomb. He needed to see it so he could, he could really believe. It said that uh, he, he needed to see it so that he could understand that Jesus must rise from the dead. That word must in the Greek, it means necessary. That it was necessary for Jesus to do this. This was necessary for our, our faith, y'all. If you read Luke's account, which we did this morning as we went out to our new property, we did a little parking lot, kind of prayer service, walk the building. Uh, man, it's coming, y'all. I think in June it's coming. And uh, just don't, don't hold me to that. I'm, I pray it's in June, y'all. Uh, it's right around the corner. And, and, and we read the account from Luke. And in Luke's account, uh, literally the angels of the Lord say to the women, don't you remember that it was necessary that he not just died, but rose from the dead on the third day. It was necessary. This morning, I want you to know that it was necessary. Uh, the empty tomb was necessary so that we would believe. Because, y'all, everything changes on this day. I, I don't, like, we don't get that, right? Because like, whenever we started going to church, we went to church on a Sunday. Uh, but the day of worship for the Jews was always on Saturday. And they had all these kind of regulations about it. You couldn't do any work on that day. And, and uh, they had all this oral tradition. I mean, it was, it was, it was really miserable. Uh, in a sense, it really was. But, but then after, after this day, after this resurrection, the followers of Jesus will never show up on a Saturday again. All of that Sabbath law and all of its regulations are going to be done away with. From this day forth, they're going to walk in freedom. This day, from now on, they're going to gather on this day, on Sunday, on resurrection day. And they're going to do it every week. And, and they're going to celebrate what happened today, the fact that the tomb was empty. This day changes everything. This day is such a big deal that the religious rulers of Jesus' day, who had already seen all these signs and miracles, right? John only gave us seven. He goes, Jesus did so many other signs, I couldn't put them all in a book, right? But, but Jesus did so many signs. But the religious rulers of his day, I'll read from Matthew 12, 38 through 40. It says, some of the scribes, the Pharisees said to him, teacher, we want to see a sign. Uh, you, could, you could include another sign from you, uh, they want to know, are you really the Messiah? This is towards the end, y'all, the end of his ministry. He answered them, an evil and adulterous generation demands a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of a huge fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. And so this, the empty tomb, is necessary. It's necessary. It's necessary. Uh, it's foundational for right belief. So much so, by the way, uh, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, man, man, just, just let me read it to you first. And what, Paul says that without the empty tomb, without the empty tomb, there's no good news, right? Good, good news, there's no gospel. Gospel is good news. Uh, Paul says without the empty tomb, there is no gospel. Listen to what he writes in, in 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 1. He says, now, I want to make clear to you, brothers and sisters, the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, and on which you've taken your stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. 
For I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and ready, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And then He appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then to the twelve, then He appeared over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then the apostles, last of all, to the one born at the wrong time. He also appeared to me. Then in verse 12 he says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And then he makes these two statements in verse 14 and 17. Uh, here's what he says in verse 14. He says, And if Christ has not been raised, our proclamation is in vain. And so is your faith. Feel the gravity of this? He said, if, if there's no resurrection, if the tomb is empty, then there is no gospel. Our, our proclamation, the gospel we preach, which is what he started first. He said, there's no gospel if, if, if there's no empty tomb. He goes on in verse 17. He says, if Christ hasn't been raised, your faith is worthless. So there's no faith if the, if the tomb's not empty. And he says, and, and, and make it worse, you're still in your sins. Boy, that's a tough one, right? Wait, I thought Jesus died for my sins. We, we did, but guess what? If he stayed dead, you'd just sin again, and we'd be right back where we started. Death had to be conquered. It had to be defeated. And, and so, y'all, the resurrection is foundational to the Christian faith. Now, um, uh, we don't have to do a show of hands. I'm going to do the show of hands. Uh, uh, if, I, if I were to ask, how many of you were raised in church? A lot of you would say that. Um, I would not. I wasn't raised in church. You're like, you're a pastor, you weren't raised in church. Nope, didn't do it. Uh, never went to VBS, don't know what that is, uh, until I started doing it as a pastor. I was never in a youth group until I was a youth pastor. Uh, I, like, just, just, I don't know, I don't know. It was just kind of a thing. So I came to faith when I was about 20, and so I, I really wrestled, should I include this, uh, what we believe uh, in, in the sermon this morning? I just thought, man, if I were you, back when I were you, I really would want this in the message just to know what Christians really believe. And so I'm going to give you 10 foundational truths that we believe, y'all. Uh, things that when I, when I was there, when, when I did finally start searching for the Lord, I would have loved it if I came to a church service like this and somebody said, hey, hey, dummy, here's what we believe, right? Because that was me. And I, I, I just was clueless, and somebody would talk the Bible, and I, I didn't even know what they were saying. So here's the foundational truths that Christians believe. It starts right here. We'll put it on the screen for you. Uh, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Uh, we'll, we'll say he was born of a virgin. That's what the Scripture says. Uh, but that means that Jesus was fully God, and he was, he was fully man. So, so, so he's the Son of God. We believe that Jesus lived a sinless life. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every way, yet he was without sin. He lived and walked for 33 years on this planet. Not one time did he ever sin. We believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Uh, the big word for that is propitiation. Uh, another important biblical word would be atonement. It means to pay a ransom for, uh, that when Jesus died, God accepted it as payment for our sins. We'll get into that in a second. We believe that Jesus was buried. He really died. Uh, he, he breathed his last breath on the cross. He cried, it is finished. He gave up his spirit and he died. They took his lifeless body off the cross. Uh, it was almost evening. Uh, sh uh, like literally, uh, the Shabbat was about to start. The Sabbath was about to start. They, they hurriedly took him down, threw some spices on him. Uh, Joseph and Nicodemus put him in a tomb. Okay, the Roman authorities then fearful that somebody might take his body, they sealed it, uh, they put a stone in front of it, they sealed that tomb. Jesus was really dead inside a tomb. 
And then as we're talking about this morning, Jesus really rose again. On the third day, Jesus rose again just as He said He would. When they said, hey, are you really the Son of God? Are all these things you're doing, are you really bringing the kingdom? Are are you the Savior? And Jesus is like, I'm not going to give you another sign except for on the third day, I will rise again. And it is the core to what we believe. We believe over a period of 40 days, Jesus proved His resurrection by appearing to over 500 people. That's in one sitting, y'all. So much so that Paul goes, if you don't believe me, ask anyone. Ask anyone. Everybody was there. Everybody was there. After commissioning his followers, Jesus ascended into heaven where he now sits at the right hand of the Father. Right? And and he's preparing a place for us, which is the next point, that he will return. Uh, Jesus said, if you trust in God, trust also in me and my Father's house. There are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go there now to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, surely I will come back and take you to be with me where I am Finally, we believe that everyone who believes in Jesus will live with Jesus. That's the foundation of the Christian faith, y'all. This is the essence of of the gospel, that God is holy. He's not just holy. He's holy, 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 that we're not. uh, That we have all sinned and fallen short of of the glory of God. and, And that the wages of sin is death. So the only way for our sin to be taken care of, that we could have access to God, that we could be made holy... It's for God to accept somebody else paying for our sin. Right? The only way, and Jesus is that, the only way sin could be atoned for in the Old Testament, y'all, was was that the blood of an innocent victim had to be shed. Sacrificial system, God set it up all the way uh, back during Exodus. He said, hey, if I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people, there has to be a way for your sin to be dealt with. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the blood of an innocent victim and I'm going to count that as, as towards your sin payment. The Bible, again, the wages of sin is death. It says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so we needed an innocent victim. That's who Jesus is. So three statements for you quickly. Someone had to fulfill the law perfectly. We're all sinners. We couldn't. So Jesus did. All right? Someone innocent had to pay the penalty for our sins. We're not innocent. We couldn't do it. So Jesus did. And third, I would say someone had to conquer death so we didn't die in our sins so that we could have life. We couldn't do it, so Jesus did. And that's why the resurrection is so important, y'all. That's, that's what today is all about, is that Jesus did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves so that we could be made righteous in God's sight. Not by anything we've done, but by the grace that God has provided through His one and only Son, Jesus. Right? That's the heart of the gospel. So we start this morning with this truth that the empty tomb is necessary, that we understand all that. It's necessary so we have right belief. But more than that, the empty tomb is not just necessary so that we have right belief. It's necessary for life, right? Without the empty tomb, we can't live. That is the point. That is the point. Uh, Years ago, I I preached uh, an Easter sermon, and, and, and the main point was pretty simple. It was this, that the, empty, uh, the tomb was empty so that we didn't have to be. Right? The tomb was empty so that we didn't have to be. And I kind of talked about how we spend our lives chasing after stuff, trying to make us feel significant. Uh, the Bible says that God has placed eternity in our hearts, that we're eternal creatures. We know somewhere deep within us that there's more to life than this. Right? Amen? 
Right, y'all can say, oh, by the way, for the newbies here, you can say amen, you can shout things. Uh, if you have a question, raise your hand. I'll ignore you, but we can talk after service, okay? So, um, but like, that's cool. This is participatory. So, uh, like, it's fine. It's fine. So, like, really, really, it is, it's totally fine. And, and so, I, but, but listen, I, I preach this basic truth that, that listen, the, the tomb was left empty so our lives didn't have to be. And, and I said, listen, we spent our whole lives, we know there's something more than this, Right? Like we know it, depth, like deep with this. Like this can't be it. This is it. I'm born. I chase after my kids. I die in debt. That's it. Like I, I'm over. Like this is this was why I'm here. And, and we know there's got to be more to life than that. And that's because God's put within us this truth that there is something more than that. He's planted eternity with our hearts, right? And and so listen, this empty tomb is part of that. This empty tomb is is there. Uh, for a reason. Now, I, I, I watched a little video by the skit guys. I love them. You should look them up. They're really good. They had a little video on Easter, and, and they pointed out the negative connotation with the word empty. Right? That's not a great, that's not a great, right? Uh, if you go out to eat later today, and you open up your wallet, and it is empty, that's a problem. Okay? Parents, if, if you go uh, do the hiding of the Easter egg thing, and your kids get one, and the candy's falling out, it's Right, man. I can't believe you put empty eggs out here. We're trying to teach you about Jesus, okay? Just tell them it's fine. fine. I've been there. I've done that. We've been around the block a few times, um, right? Empty has a negative connotation, but, but listen, uh, I, I want to tell you that it is the perfect word to describe our lives without Jesus, right? Without Jesus, we have empty hearts. We have empty hopes. We have empty dreams. We have empty passions. We, we have empty pursuits. We, we, we have empty goals. We have empty striving. We have empty rituals. And without Jesus, we have empty religion. Right? Without Christ, our lives are absolutely empty. But get this, the tomb was left empty so that the word empty could be turned on its head. Right? So suddenly that the word empty could have fullness, right? Because the tomb was left empty so that we could have life. That's why the tomb is empty. And so empty no longer has to have a negative con connotation. It, it now actually brings the most important thing that we need, which is, is life. Uh, do you remember what the angel of the Lord said to the women in Luke's account? In Luke's account, the women go early. Right, and I always love the per different perspectives from different disciples. So Luke's account has the women being the first one to the tomb. They bring spices, so they're going to bring spices, and they think that they're going to somehow, uh, like, like, I don't know, talk the Roman guard into breaking the seal and moving the stone so that they can uh, adequately prepare the Lord's body uh, because the guys did it, and let's face it, women always do better than men uh, at things like that. Right, I mean, come on, right? We're going to pack for a trip. Uh, who are you trusting, your wife or you, Right. You know, I mean, packing for the kids, not, not you, right? I mean, surely you have to pack your own bag at this point. But uh, it's always, it's always going to be, the wife is always more prepared. So the women, more prepared, uh, they show up and, and the stone is rolled away. And they, they, they kind of freak out and two angels of the Lord show up. And this is what they say to the ladies. They say, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? Why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? He is not here. He has risen. He is risen. He is alive. And if Jesus is alive, then our hearts aren't empty. They're full. And if Jesus is alive, our hopes aren't dashed. I, I, I mean, they, they, they have a future and, and a promise, right? And, and this isn't new, by the way. In the Gospel of John, Jesus has been dropping this hint over and over and over again that he is all about life. 
right? Uh, It begins back in John chapter 3. Jesus is having a conversation with Nicodemus under the cover of darkness. He tells Nicodemus that if he wants to see the kingdom of God, he's got to be born again. And then he says this in John 3, uh, 14 through 16. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal, can you all say that word for me? Life, right? For God so loved the world in this way, he gave his one and only son, that who, everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal, one more time, life, right? The story we talked about last week, uh, the, the raising of Lazarus, that when Jesus gets into town, Martha runs to him. He's like, Lord, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus is like, I tell you, it's not going to end in death. He's going to live. And she goes, I know one day he'll be resurrected. And he, and he says this, John eleven twenty five. 25, no, I am the resurrection and the Life, right? The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. You guys are getting that participatory sport. Let's go, y'all. John 14, Jesus talks to his disciples. He's preparing them for the cross that's coming. He's like, hey guys, I'm going to die. I'm telling you plainly, I need to die. It's going to happen. This is what John didn't grasp. I need to die for your sins. I need to be buried. I'm going to be raised again on the third day. They're not grasping it, but he says, hey, listen, trust in God. Trust also in me. My Father's house are many rooms. We just said it a second ago. If I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back, take you to be with me where I am. And then he drops this truth, John 14, 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. This is why Jesus came to offer life. And y'all, I think it's so important. Um, again, I'm, just, I'm, I'm doing what I wish somebody had done for me when I was in church. Uh, I, I, I didn't go to church a lot. My um, grandmother would drag me to church occasionally. I, I had a lot of, of friends in high school that were believers, yet none of them ever shared this truth with me. And so I think it's really important. If you're going to put that scripture on a screen, then you better stop and explain it what it means. If Jesus has come to offer us life, then John 14, 6 is really important because he says, no one comes to the Father except by me. No one, right? I, I mean, I mean that's, that's the context. John 14, 6, I am the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. I'm life, but no one, no one gets that life, that eternal life, that life of God, except by me. And so I just think it's important that you know that all of the things that we turn to, like our own moral goodness, by the way, I love you, um, and I, you're probably a pretty decent person. Uh, you, you might be a more decent person than I am, but I'm not holy. I'm definitely not holy, holy, holy. Our definition of good is kind of off, right? We're like, I'm a good person. I've never killed anybody. That's your bar? Right? I'm a pretty good person. I never killed anybody. Like, well, good for you. Right there. We're not good. Really not. Man, I, I think things, you think things, like, like, we, like we're selfish. That's who we are. And, and, and so that there's nothing that I can do to make myself right. That doesn't work. Religion definitely doesn't work. I, I mean, some of you, that's your story, right? I, I love talking to people when they're like, oh yeah, I was born into the faith. And I was like, no, you weren't. You're born into sin. I love you. Like I was too. Like I was born into sin. Like you mean you were born into the church. I get you. That's awesome. And man, what a burden that is. Right? Y'all are like, well, we're in church today. I know, but church is so hard without Jesus. Amen? Anybody? Amen! Right? Without Jesus, this is a place that we come and somebody goes, well, you need to live better and make better choices. I'm like, no, you just need Jesus. That's the point. You need life. We need life. 
And nothing matters apart from him. And so, listen, if you're here and you're hearing this, maybe for the first time this morning, I love, like our church, every Sunday, I meet, I meet multiple people. They're like, hey, um, I'm here. It's my first Sunday. I don't know what Baptist stuff is about. I don't know. Um, I'm Catholic. I'm like, cool, you're so welcome. Uh, my ministry, I've, I've always had Catholic people around me. It's just part of life. I'm like, that's cool. Uh, listen, uh, Catholicism, uh, Baptist, Methodist, you name it, it that, that's all religion. Religion doesn't get us to God. Absolutely not. We're not going to die one day, stand before the judgment seat, and go, hey, uh, I went to church a lot, let me in. It's not going to work. We don't get to stand before the judgment seat one day and say, hey, uh, I stopped cussing, let me in. Or I only drank a couple at a time. I always had a cutoff limit. I was good, let me in. Or, or hey, I, I read my Bible once or twice, Maybe, um, let me in. Or I used to pray, uh, now I lay me down to sleep. Let me in. Um, because none of that stuff, you'd be like, I walked a thousand little old ladies across the street, and those ladies appreciate it, but they died one day too. And they stood in the same place that we'll all have to stand. And, and no one gets into the presence of God without Jesus Christ. That's what he means. I am the only way, I'm the only truth, and I'm the only way for life, right? So that's really important. So the empty tomb, y'all, it's empty because Jesus is what? Alive. He's alive and we can be too. And he offers that life to us, but he's the only one that has the authority to offer it, okay? Really important we get that. Uh, but he didn't just come that we'd have eternal life, y'all. He also came that we'd have abundant life. That we'd have abundant life. John 10.10, 10, he says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it in abundance. That word in the Greek, uh, the imagery is, uh, have you ever like just poured water into a glass and just kept pouring? Don't stop. Go home, kids with mom and dad watching, okay? And you pour and you pour and you pour, and when it starts to kind of overflow, you stop, and what you'll see is there's a little bubble that rises up above the rim of the glass that'll just sit there. That's abundance, Jesus came that we would have more than just, just like definitely not that life would be, uh, you know, well, I'm a glass half full kind of guy, or I'm a glass half empty. Like, no, he wanted it above the rim, not half, right? So stop settling. And so Jesus, in his most famous sermon, talks about the, the meaningless of our lives, okay? He's not trying to be mean, uh, but this is what he says in Matthew 6, 25, 26. Uh, he talks about our, our hollow um, our hollow pursuits. He says, I tell you, don't worry about your life and what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or about your body and what you're going to wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the air. Uh, they, they don't sow or reap or gather into barns yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? And then he says this in verse 31 and 32. So don't worry saying what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for the Gentiles eagerly seek all of these things your heavenly Father knows that you need him. He's saying, listen, the trappings of this world, y'all, it's all meaningless. All those pursuits. By the way, the context of that is that we're supposed to be storing up uh, treasures in heaven because all the stuff down here is, is going to fade. It's all going to be destroyed by moths or rust, okay? So like, you, you got to do... So all these trappings, all these things we consume our lives with are empty, is what Jesus is saying. So here's the key to fulfillment. It's the very next verse, Matthew 6, But seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. They'll be given to you. All right? So that, that is literally, then you get God and. You get God and. And that's what Jesus came to do. He came to give us a relationship with God. 
and to provide for us all the stuff that we would have been chasing after instead, we make him our priority, and he says, I got you, you can rest. You can rest, right? Really, really, really cool stuff. So, uh, big deal, big deal. The empty tomb is necessary for life. Uh, Lastly, guys, I would just say the empty tomb is necessary for purpose. Uh, The empty tomb is necessary for purpose. And so I'm back in uh, the Gospel of John, John 20, and I'm just going to read 17 through 21. We're almost done, y'all. Uh, 17 through 21. Jesus is speaking to Mary. She, she understands that it's Jesus now. She sees him. He reveals himself. She, like, grabs a hold of him. And Jesus tells her, uh, don't cling to me. I, I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them that I'm ascending my Father uh, and your Father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them, Uh, what he had said to her. When it was evening the first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. Jesus came, stood before them, said, peace uh, be with you. And and then listen, he, he says this, I'll put it on the screen, verse 21. Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm now sending you. So Jesus, empty tomb, resurrection, shows up and is like, hey, Uh, Just as I was on mission, guess what? You're now on mission. Now follow me, okay? These guys left everything to follow Jesus. They left everything to be about the kingdom of God. And then Jesus died. And their hopes were dashed. And their purpose was dashed. Peter goes back to fishing at one point. Like, he's like, like, their lives are ruined. They have no purpose anymore. And Jesus shows up and he's like, nope, I'm alive. So guess what? So is your purpose. So is your mission. Just as God sent me, man, I'm sending you. In the Gospel of Matthew, this thing is called the Great Commission. That's what we've labeled it. And it goes something like this, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. All authority has been given unto me, heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Because Jesus is alive, so is our mission. So is our purpose. Isn't it awesome to have a purpose? Right? You ever been through some seasons of life where you didn't? That's a dark place. It's a dark place. So the empty tomb is necessary for us to have purpose. So what do we do with all of that? Um, We're a church. We're always giving applications. So I want to give you some things to think about and ponder uh, this Easter. And then we're going to let you go. Number one, um, uh, well, hold on, let me, show you, let me show you this picture. As we talk about our mission, some of you have driven past this place. Uh, uh, we um, believe and we're, we're accepting wholeheartedly that God's called us to be uh, the light of the world. That's what he said. And so that begins in, in Jerusalem, and our Jerusalem is Elgin, Texas. And so we believe um, we're, we're, we're going to be here in June, uh, and we're going to be here with, with a purpose. And and that purpose is this. I'll show you uh, our our mission statement. It's to equip families to be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, loving through worship, learning through discipleship, and living through service. Uh, It's loving, learning, and living like Jesus. Worship, learn, serve. We we, we believe that those three things will bring about transformative change in the lives of families, uh, in the lives of of, of kids, uh, adults, you name it. And so we're all in. We're all in. And uh, with that in mind, I'm going to give you some application. Number one, first and foremost, man, believe in Jesus and receive eternal life today. Uh, like, listen, you've heard the gospel, y'all. Uh, right belief, okay? Religion ain't going to work. Good works ain't going to work. 
The, Jesus is the only way we can have a relationship with God. He's the only way we can have eternal life. That's why he came. That's why he, con he conquered death. What does Paul say? Without the empty tomb, there's nothing. There's nothing, right? We'd still be trapped in our sins. Jesus died so that you could live. That is the glory of Easter. And so I, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, let today be the day. It is not complicated, y'all. Uh, it, it's not overly religious. You literally pray a prayer like, Hey, God, I'm messed up. Uh, I need help. Save me. Come into my life. Change me. Boom. That's it. He will take care of the rest. So I challenge you. I believe in Jesus. Receive eternal life today. Number two, um, we want to challenge you to make the kingdom of God your top priority. Okay? Uh, Guys, there's only two, two ways to life, right? And uh, this will let you know what camp you're in right now. Uh, either the kingdom of God is your focus, and you just allow God to provide for the other stuff. You sleep really well at night. You may not have uh, a, nice cars as your neighbor, nice house as your neighbor. Um, but man, you've got blessings all around. You just don't always count them uh, as blessings. But, but that, that's one way to life, is I'm seeking first God, I'm, I'm putting first God, and I'm just trusting Him to take care of all the other stuff. The other way is that you're, you're trying to be God. So you're your provider. And so this way, we don't sleep well at night, right? <laughs> we wrestle with whether or not I have enough money in retirement, or if my kids are going to make it okay, or if, or if, or if, or if. And so we stay up trying to be God. It is exhausting being God, amen? Amen, right? Like, I struggle to get my feet out of bed sometimes. I can't imagine, like, like, okay, Lord, and now the sun must come up, and now the breeze must blow, and now we have to have rain, and now my children need, like, it's exhausting. It's exhausting, right? Only one God. Only one God. So let Him be God. Make the kingdom your priority. Uh, that's, a, that's a shift, y'all. And so if you're not sleeping well, if you're uh, overcome by anxiety, doubt, worry, fear, uh, that's a sign that, that you're, you're making it about your kingdom and not his. Okay? So you're trying to be God, so stop trying to be God. He's already God and he's awesome at it. He's awesome at it. Just let him do it. All right? Uh, lastly, guys, we would ask um, this Easter, kind of a special prayer, is that you would join us in our mission. Um, if you're here and you are from Elgin, Texas. Uh, guys, you know the city. We love this city so much. Um, I know the city's changing. Some of you are like, but this city's so different. Yeah, it is. And guess what? It's going to keep being different, which is why we're building a new facility, because there are thousands upon thousands of people moving to Elgin, Texas, and guess what? Their marriages are falling apart, and, 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 and they're having issues with their kids, and their finances are a wreck, and you know what they need? They don't just need a church. They need Jesus, right? They need a church that is going to say, Jesus is the answer. He's the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only life. Turn to Jesus. That's our declaration in everything that we do, that the gospel will be at the front of it. And we hope and pray that that speaks to your heart, that you would join us in that. I'll be honest, y'all, we need you. We need you, not, not here once in a while. We need you here all the while, uh, every week. We, we, we need you learning the word of God with us. We need you sharing and loving your neighbors. We need you to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the places that we don't show up every week, but that you do. We need you. That's how the body works. That's how the kingdom works. And so I, I, I hope and pray that you would think about that this morning. Consider joining us. If you want to talk to somebody about it, we're going to dismiss here in a second. I'm going to be down front. Um, uh, our staff will be down front. If you want to talk to somebody about, hey, how do, how do I get this Jesus into my life? We'll be down here for that as well. I'm going to close this in prayer. We've got two announcements. We'll let you go. Father, thanks for loving us. This Easter, we pray that we would understand the depths of this empty tomb. 
John said it was necessary so that he could believe. And that is absolutely the truth. Help us believe. Help us understand today. And if there's anyone here that has not yet put their faith and trust in you, Lord, let today, Easter, be the day they turn to you and say, Jesus, be in charge of me. Save me. In Jesus' name, we ask all these things. Amen.